and welcome to Sequel Pitch, episode 16, where four film enthusiast friends review movies that don't have sequels and see who can come up with the best idea for one. My name's Drew Toynbee, it is my great pleasure to be back hosting this week. Joining me today once again to review the movie and pitch me their ideas are my three incredibly powerful magical objects supposedly created by death itself and gifted to three brothers in the Peveril family. The Elder Wand of the group, so named because of his powerful pitches that can be easily snapped in half because they have no third act, Matt Rushton. Expelliarmus! <laughs> that bullshit. <laughs> the Resurrection Stone, who keeps bringing Invasion of the Body Snatchers back to life over and over again in his pitches, <laughs> Andy Henry. Oh shit, have I got change, time to change my pitch? <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone! And the invisibility cloak of the group, who at first glance seems to be just not there and pointless, but is actually pretty useful to have around Ross Armston. Damn right I am, and I'm going to swallow some children in my cloak of invisibility. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> There's a lawsuit. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> So this week we hopped on our Nimbus 2000s or Firebolts, depending on how far into the series you are, and have flown over to the fantasy world of 1990s England, um, watching 2011's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, directed by David Yates, who also directed the previous three films in the series, and of course starring Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, and pretty much every other British character actor of the time over the age of 40. As always, before we get to our review, just in case any of our listeners haven't seen the movie, we do a reasonably quick but definitely no longer 60-second summary of the movie so that you've got a broad idea of what we're talking about when we're talking about it for sequels. This is a bit of a tricky one, though, because if you've not seen this, you probably haven't seen the others, and you kind of need to know about the prior seven films that came before this one. So I'm going to do my best to keep this as short as possible and see what happens, and I'm going to start now. The Harry Potter series follows the life of the titular wizard Harry, mainly through his years at secondary school, which happens to be a school for witches and wizards. Harry's parents were killed when he was very young by an evil wizard named Voldemort, who heard in a prophecy that Harry would be the one who would destroy him. But when Voldemort tried to kill Harry, Harry's mother's final self-sacrifice protected the baby and made the curse rebound and hit Voldemort. Once Harry starts wizarding school, it's revealed that Voldemort has returned in some form or another every year, and he spends the next seven years trying to come back and being thwarted at every turn by a load of schoolchildren, while the adults in the room keep ignoring the problem constantly. Eventually, Voldemort actually manages to return properly and takes over the wizarding government, forcing Harry and his best friends to go on the run to try and take him down by destroying the Horcruxes, which are the magical objects that Voldemort hid pieces of his soul inside that keep him alive. Reaching the final film in the series, Harry's and Harry and his friends have an exciting magical bank heist to find one Horcrux. Then they have to return to their school where the rest of the Horcruxes were hidden. There we discover that Professor Snape wasn't so bad after all, despite being a huge piece of shit for the seven prior films. We learn that wands will change allegiance when their owner has been defeated by another person, and eventually Harry learns that he is Voldemort's final Horcrux, and that he has to allow Voldemort to kill him in order to defeat him. Harry lets Voldemort kill him, but of course doesn't actually die. This inspires everyone to do the final battle, and he eventually destroys Voldemort once and for all, and they all live happily ever after. 
or do they? <laughs> we'll find out in a little while. That's mental. How have you managed to do eight films in less time than it takes us to do most single films? Yeah. <laughs> Fair play. I mean, it's impressive. Yeah, yeah, well done. Well done. I, the, we're, we're lucky in that this being a part two, it's not plot heavy. It is, yeah. they go to the bank, they go to the school, they have a big fight until they win. Yeah. It is three things that fundamentally happen in this without going into describing who literally every character is and their relationship to each other and why it's important that they died or didn't die. So, yeah, that was efficient. Thank you. <laughs> How did we all enjoy or not enjoy this movie? It was it was I think it was a good wrap up. It was it was pretty good. Good. Great. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I'm gonna be honest. I ha- I do have a soft spot for the Harry Potter franchise in the movies. Um, I think we can all relate to we are that very lucky age group that grew up alongside Harry Potter in terms of his age. So as the books mm-hmm. came out, they were <coughs> written for our age and whatnot, and the films, etc. So that was pretty special. the The first few movies are a little bit meh, a little bit family friendly and then they do get darker i think from the fourth movie and i think by the time Mm. we reach deathly hallows part two we are dealing with as good a movie as they could make keeping it a 12a when you know all all the characters are now adults essentially and there's some pretty dark shit going on um some amazing performances some less amazing performances the british character actors over 40 absolutely represent in this movie as they do throughout the franchise um, mm-hmm. And I think it's keeping the cinematic canon, not the book canon. It's as good an ending as they could possibly have hoped for. Very good. Ross, how about you? Do you have any particularly strong connection to the books or the film series? No, I originally bought, I think, The Goblet of Fire on hardback. Um, never read it, though. Never you, read you, it. So you started on book <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Essentially, yeah. you did Star Wars in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Episode um, four. I mean, I didn't start because I never, I never read it, so it just collected <laughs> dust on my shelf. However, I am connected in the sense that I, when I was doing work experience, um, I was at Shepperton Studios and they were filming Prisoner of Azkaban, and I saw the miniature of uh, Hogwarts, and I was on. Um, uh, the set of the Forbidden Forest as well, um, which was cool. Um, when I they was, were filming, filming Azkaban? Well, they weren't actually filming but that day. So in I was production. Yeah, so I was in... I was like part of a special effects company that was... They were working on a car for some show where it like crashed. And I hated it so I, I spent the majority of my time going can i just go for a walk and they were like yeah yeah, yeah go and so nice. i was just walking around all the different lots saw the peter sellis um you know the pink panthers you know when steve what's his what name did the re the remake of yeah. like the pink panther yeah. uh saw this them filming that and then i saw yeah i stumbled across the set of uh, harry potter which was called no well, they weren't so- filming that day this is that's I I didn't know that story already, but it gets more interesting <laughs> because I was about to say, me and Andy have other connections to the films. Yeah, I've totally forgot about it because, and then I was like, oh yeah, I did that. That's yeah. awesome because I was also on set for 
Prisoner of Azkaban because I went to secondary school with Rupert Grint and as a drama kid, I got to go and visit the set for Prisoner of Azkaban. Amazing. <laughs> While that was being filmed. So we were connected. Yeah. Like all those 10 years. years before university. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. Used to play... Well, played chess with Rupert Grint a couple of times in the library, and nice. he used to wizard chess. Or, yeah, yeah, and he used yeah. to he used to drive down my road. His younger brother was friends with someone who lived on the road I lived down, and so Rupert would come and pick him up sometimes in his giant bright orange Range Rover, oh and I'd get a little nod, and it might have been just like a polite nodding to a pedestrian who's grinning at you like an idiot. But <laughs> I always liked to think that it was because he recognised <laughs> me from school. Um, so yeah, I, I got to go on set and sort of met Alan Rickman and Gary Oldman and God saw the shrieking shack. Nice. But then, so we've kind of stepped up from seeing the miniatures <laughs> to seeing the set and meeting some actors to Andy, what's your Harry Potter story? I'm an actor in Harry Potter. I was lucky enough to stand in the background for a lot of scenes for the first, uh, four, four films. Nice. Um, yeah, all, mainly all Where, great hall scenes and classroom scenes, and probably every other Quidditch scene. I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere in there. So, where? Which film do you feature most prominent? Which film do you put on to be like, hey, look, I was in Harry Potter. <laughs> Definitely the first one because it's one of the cutest. It's um, <laughs> it's basically when Harry when Harry's in the when Harry's in the sorting hat and the camera goes behind him. If you basically look over his right shoulder, you can see a little. Little ten-year-old me. To the listeners, if you can send us a picture of Andy Henry in Harry Potter, <laughs> he will send you a signed photograph of himself. Oh my god! In Harry stamp, Potter. The stamp I've got to buy to send it back is going to be worth more than my signature. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't belittle yourself. This is your claim to fame. The funny, the funny one is in the fourth film uh, when in Mad Eye Moody scene. I, I like it when it cuts to the class. I'm kind of basically halfway under the table because I didn't realise they said action and I was itching my ankle. So it's a good thing that they did. They, uh, they cut back because you could literally see me just like kind of bolt up and be like, oh, oh, go, go, act. <laughs> so we all have a bit of a connection to this series of films. Uh, in, in general, how do you guys like this series of films? Let's go in order again. So Andy, um, I do like. I actually don't watch them uh, as much as I kind of want to. The first couple, I think the first one anyway, is just dreadfully acted by the kids sorry if they're listening i was standing behind you going i could do better i could do better but um no i think from the third one the third one was uh prisoner of azkaban wasn't it and that was pretty dark and i think from then on uh they got just the, the way they were told uh and it was a bit more grown up and a bit more a bit more entertaining for me so yeah i, I enjoyed all, all of them and this one i think yeah i think it just wraps it up well for the size of the book which you know which the second one is and um yeah, they did well. I quite liked it actually. More I think about it. Hmm. Matt, how about you? The the film as a the the series in in general. Yeah, I've got a soft spot for it. I can understand why it gets a bit of a bad rap in terms of not being uh, authentic to the books. But you know, as actors, we can sit here and as people who've worked in film and TV, you know, you're never going to have the perfect adaptation. And if they were going to try and make a movie series the size of the Harry Potter books, it would have been 20 movies long. We're still probably only halfway through now. So well, indeed, <laughs> like, lovely bit of trivia that this, this, the final movie in the whole series is the shortest of all eight films at over, like, two hours and 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And it's the shortest. So, yeah. 
they it, it would have been outrageous if they'd tried to add in more i i i i would go further than you and say i honest i think they did they they pulled out every essential every element that they needed yeah. to tell the story overall they they jettisoned a lot of Mm-hmm. stuff that actually wasn't fundamentally necessary to the journey of these characters jk rowling dicto sorry i was just gonna say that you know that was the benefit of having rowling as such a hands-on producer uh throughout it she was there to ensure that that was the case and i think it shows that mm. she had played such an active part in the production of the movies ross how about you the the film the series in general in general uh i like andy i thought the I never, I never went to see them at the cinema apart from when really? it got to. Well, apart from when it got to the last few, I don't. Gotcha. Uh, I went to see them the last few at the cinema, and then I obviously caught them up on DVD or whatever. But um, I didn't like the performances of the kids. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I think they could have picked better acting, acting, act actors, um, and. <laughs> But, however, they do improve over the years. I mean, it's like anything. You do it for long enough and you're in the industry long enough, you you will improve. Um, and Daniel Radcliffe, by the end of it, he's very, very good. Um, and they all are, really. Like, yeah, and all three. By, by the end, they are, they are good mm-hmm. actors. And, yeah, exactly. And I, I really like all the, all the British actors that are span the whole films like they've got pretty much everyone like you said drew like they've got every single british actor and in by the end of it yeah it's a good finish and and the film as a whole is it's a phenomenon isn't it it's uh Mm. it's it's like the british version of well it's like lord of the rings but like even vaster than that um for kids basically and more accessible. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's why I mean. yeah, it, it does yeah. feel more relatable. And I think that's why people like it. Um, and it's become such a, a giant beast of itself. So, what is your favourite moment of this film? And why is it Ray Fine's bizarre laugh when he says that Harry is dead? How did that get through? How did that? Why? Hey, he's having fun with his role, you know. <laughs> it's it's just his acting choice to just go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I I like the last half an hour of the movie, and I also like the scene in which he uh, talks to all of the his dead people. Mm. Yeah. Um, like his mom, his dad, uh, Sirius, um, and o- Lupin Obi-Wan's as well. in there, I think, as well. Oh, no, that's Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And also, I also like the chat he has with um, with Dumbledore in the sort of weird purgatory oh, limbo. place. Yeah, yeah. yeah with weird cross. baby dead yeah. Voldemort or whatever is under the bench. Or whatever. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, those scenes and like the final battle scenes really good as well. Cool. Um, Andy? Yeah, final battle scene was fun. Um, I like the... I can't remember the spell, but the thing that uh, once you touch it, just multiplies. Um, yeah, in, get, in the bank vault. Yeah, uh, what's the... Fa- uh, the Hufflepuff's Cup or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's just a cool scene. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's fun. So, yeah. Matt? The most amazing scene for me is, first of all, Snape's death. 
um, seeing, you know, Harry and Snape kind of share in that moment, but more importantly, Snape's memories. I think it's such a powerful piece of cinema because you've been, because you know ultimately about the character and you followed Snape's journey. And I think just allowing that little bit of uh, real, real performance from Alan Rickman, I feel, and seeing everything suddenly come together in the story. And then just that, what, is, what does Dumbledore say? All this time? And Alan yeah. Rickman's always. one word, always. Like, oh, God, absolute TFS at the end of that every yeah. time. And and Alan Rickman being, like, we talk about digital de-aging and stuff, Alan Rickman acting through the absolutely dreadful trying to make him look 25. <laughs> yeah. Like, awful, horrible. Like, he he looks like a bad Madden to Swords of himself. <laughs> You look past but it acting, for the emotional th- Exactly, <laughs> exactly. He like such a wonderful performer. And yeah, to be able to take this character who for, as I mentioned, for seven films prior has just been a complete dick mm. <laughs> and to fundamentally transform. And it, it wasn't the books that that made Snape this popular figure this romantic figure in pop culture with always like people getting tattoos of always hashtag always trended when alan rickman passed away Mm -hmm. because it was alan rickman who gave the character so much more pathos and made him so much gravitas made him more than someone sort of pathetic and spiteful and it was all down to his performance and it's i think i hate that he's gone (laughs) always Always will. He, I think it's, we can't start this conversation because it's a huge one. That you know, when you think about reading the books and casting in your mind, who, who, who did they get right? Who did they not? Alan Rickman is the one that I can wholeheartedly say was nailed on. Yeah, from a cast and the first Dumbledore. Yeah, Richard Harris. Oh, was, he was amazing. Yeah, Ri- Richard Harris was closer in look to how I pictured Dumbledore in the books, although the the soft, hoarse voice never worked for me. If if Richard Harris could have had Michael Gambon's voice, Mm. then that was Dumbledore in my mind when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So... I think we've we've talked at quite a lot of length. We need to crack on. So let's get to our final thoughts and scores out of five. Um, I'm going to begin with Matt Rushton. Ooh, scoring this movie on its own, I am going to give it four dragon rides out of a bank vault out of five. Just like I quite liked the film, I think that there's there's plenty of uh, ways it could be improved, but then I think there was also plenty of ways, plenty of things it did very well. Uh, visual effects are insane for the most part, apart from a young Alan Rickman. Um, but yeah, just <laughs> just a solid, entertaining piece of fantasy cinema. Cool. And Ross, I am going to give it um, three point five. Not my daughter, you bitches, out of five. Um, because I like it, but like Matt says, they're 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 good. Um, there are ways you can improve it. Um, 
but and it doesn't resonate too much with me like you know they i'll watch them if people put them on but um for me it's a 3.5 okay andy i'm gonna give it three and a half dobbies um for the same reasons as the other guys basically uh looking back what 10 years whatever it could be changed but what for what i did at the time was was really good so okay and for me, I'm I'm going with Matt. I'm giving it four Neville Longbottoms in one scene having the highest kill count of any character in the series, <laughs> blowing up an entire bridge full of people out of five. Not without its not without flaws and as a standalone film, you couldn't conscionably give it five stars. But as a standalone film, Incredible effects, really well shot. They shot the hell out of this film. It looks great. It looks really, really good. <laughs> and good performances, a pretty strong finish. And so, yeah, there we go. That gives us a score of 3.75 out of 5. So uh, a strong recommendation Yeah, from us. It's up there with signs. So I think take that. Yeah, yeah, tied tied with signs, and and marginally above labyrinth. Are we going to get fitting? Are we going to get Harry Potter fans just going, "You bastard! Why well, didn't you if, give me five? I, hopefully, because that would be the most social media engagement we've had. Ever. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, tweet so, us. So yeah, if yeah, exactly. If um if you know any Harry Potter fans who you think would be really upset with this score, please <laughs> let them know. <laughs> so without any further ado, uh, the scores have been given, the chat has been had, and I think now it is time to get your sequels pitched. Yeah. <laughs> The rules of the pitches, as always, are nice and simple. You will each have your chance to pitch me your idea for a movie without interruption, where you can explain the plot, the themes, anything you want to get across to me. Then I'll have a few questions for each of you after that. And after I've asked your questions and we've gone through everyone, we will enter the debate phase, where the three of you will go head to head to tell me why yours is the best in the context of the other two. So let's get this show on the road, starting with last week's host, Andy. Yeah. Okay, Andy, whenever you're ready, take it away. So we open on a magical house with magical things happening inside, washing up, washing, uh, washing itself, for example. Everything, everything seems happy until we see Harry and Ginny. We establish that Harry is high up in the Ministry of Magic, and he's been working on a case recently that's been taking up most of his time. Ginny's been work, uh, working as a nurse, and she's annoyed that Harry has spent most of the summer, the kids' free time, locked away at the Ministry. But they still have a very strong and loving relationship. They talk about some of Harry's, uh, Harry's cases without giving too much weight to the audience. All we know, that, all we know is that something may, uh, dark may be coming, something they haven't seen since you-know-who. And that's the uh, reason why Harry's been working so hard lately. He's scared. Their tone changes as the kids enter, suddenly becoming happy and asking if Albus is excited about his third year at Hogwarts. Uh, we have a scene of the parents taking the kids to plat floor, uh, platform nine and three quarters, getting on the train, and it's all happy and magical and lovely. Uh, afterwards, Harry gets called to a magical mystery scene, which is a nice way of seeing a murder scene in the Harry Potter cinematic universe. Uh, we meet a few characters that work with Harry, and they perform a spell that shows a crime scene in a sort of flashback. And if you ever played any Batman games, think of any um, times you had to reconstruct a scene. And if you haven't, just think of like faceless blank uh, blanks interacting the scene that kind of gives you an idea about what happened, but obviously not the uh, not the whole thing. This leads like Harry to a clue that uh, looks like a trace of a portal has recently been opened, but a spell has been put on it hiding where it leads. 
They find a book on an ancient illegal dark magic and start flipping through it. When, a, when, the, portal, uh, rip, when the portal rips open and a few hooded figures comes out. They attack the team and killing, uh, killing unnecessary characters if needed, just to prove they're a threat. And one steals the book from Harry, who manages to rip a page out in the struggle. The hooded, uh, hooded figures leave and the team tries to open the portal but can't. Harry takes the page to the only person he knows more skilled in ancient magic than him. At Hogwarts, we see Hermione at the end of teaching a class on ancient magic. Uh, we see that both her and Harry's kids are smart by answering questions. We, uh, Harry goes to see Hermione and we establish that she's a well-respected professor at Hogwarts and second in command. She's like the new Professor McGonagall. She's still with Ron, but they're going through some rocky times and Harry hasn't responded to either her or Ron's owl messages for a couple of months. Harry asks if Hermione knows anything about the page and Hermione tells the story of the le legend of Arasorin a dangerous wizard who was wanted in the magical world, so tried to hide in the Muggle one. Uh, annoyed by his forced exile, Arasorin found a way of getting between worlds undetected. He started to steal and sell dark magic to wizards and muggles living in the Muggle world, but soon the magic corrupted him, and he planned to take over the Muggle world and then return home. A group of witches and wizards tried to stop Arasorin, but died at his hand. Apparently, Arasorin had found a way to become immortal. The question is, if that's true, why is he hiding and not taking his prize? Harry asks if Hermione wants to join them in his case. She declines, quoting the teacher's rules, saying she can't leave the kids in the class, but then as soon as Harry leaves, she chases after him. Harry invites uh, Hermione and Ron to his for dinner. As the kids play, the adults eat dinner, and we establish Ron is working in his brother's sweet shop, uh, and he will help keep the film light as the comic relief, uh, being a little immature and acting like a kid. And we see this is the reason why he and Hermione have a rocky marriage. Uh, the mood is happy as the four reminisce, but soon the conversation turns to Arasorin. Ron says, oh, it reminds him of a story his mum used to read him before bed. And they all look at him like, what? But he says, oh, but she changed a few things to make it lighter. This brings about a new clue. Harry invites Ron to join him on his case, pointing out to an agitated Hermione that without him, they wouldn't have found this clue. At the ministry, they perform a spell that shows the name of the author of the book. They all gasp in shock and as the name reveals Parenta Dumbledore. They say, uh, the three say they need to find out more about this unknown Dumbledore and why she had written a book on illegal magic. They travel to Hogwarts to see if they could find any clues in Dumbledore's old office. The three get on a train to Hogwarts and the, uh, the somber tone changes as they remin reminisce about uh, going to... Uh, sorry. The three get on a train to Hogwarts and the somber to tone changes as they reminisce about what it was like taking the train to Hogwarts for the first time and how they all met. This theme can either show Ron and Hermione bonding over how they hid their feelings from each other for so long or how they're starting to second guess their relationship. When we get to Hogwarts, they enter Headmaster McGonagall's office to see she's being killed by some hooded figures and a small goblin-looking monster. There's a fight throughout the school where the three have to kill the hooded figures while keeping the kids safe. Afterwards, they surround the goblin monster who drops to its knees and saying his name is Servant and it pleads for the trio to stop what you're doing. My master won't be happy. The three ask uh, if the master is Arasorin, but all the servant says is, you don't understand what's happening. Getting in the way of my master's plan will do more damage than letting it go. Please let the beast be. And when he sees an opportune moment, Servant fires a spell at Hermione and, and escapes through a portal. Pissed, Ron runs through uh, the portal after Servant. Harry has enough time to get the injured Hermione and die through the portal before it closes. All right, so you didn't say the obligatory sequel pitch at the end, but that, I mean, if, it, if it's not a sequel pitch, then it's that a hell is... Of an ending. No, this is, this is leading is on to a, a, a whole new ending. trilogy. At least a trilogy. All right. Know, Hollywood project. So seven more what films. is the story of that trilogy of, of these subsequent films? So it's finding out who uh, Arasoran is, if he's alive, if he's dead, why isn't he taking his uh, kingdom? What's going on? Is he a magical threat? Why, um, Dumbledore, why this new, who is this new Dumbledore? Why she wrote this book? Um, still exploring the, the kind of characters' relationships. 
Okay, so so you don't have a clear idea of of any of the answers to those questions. I mean, yeah, I want like Arasorin to be. I want Arasorin to be in the third one. He's going to be in a big fight. I want uh, Parenta Dumbledore to have written this uh, book under like duress. I didn't want you know she she was held captured or something. Um, servant again. I want him to be quite powerful, but he doesn't know it. He's not a house elf, but I couldn't think of really anything else. So I just called him a goblin. Um, so yeah, I could see it's still a it's still like a I want, I'm seeing it as like a family crime thriller throughout the trilogy. Um, so okay. just more, uh, yeah, ask, uh, asking, solving more clues and um, and exploring the world. All right, okay. So what 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 are you getting at thematically with this film? Like what inspired you to have the characters be in the places that they're in? I just went by the story. I, I just thought, where would they be now? Um, what would they be doing and what would just be interesting? They had to... That's the point. Where does this fall in regards to the 19 years later? So this is three years scene. after... This is the this is the third... Uh, what's his name? Albus's third year. So this is, what, three okay, years after years the last... After. Two years after, okay. yeah, but, you know, they're still adults and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just thought, if it's, if it's Harry Potter, we need magic, we need, you know, intrigue. And that was brought on by them because they were kids going through school so everything was new and exciting to them so what can be new and exciting in this uh new trilogy is a new a new bad guy the new i try to keep as much new things as possible by having keeping the classics the train and hogwarts and i say every time okay. i just wanted them to be in a dark place at the moment because i like i wanted my pitch to get across every time they're happy is basically when they're reminiscing okay all right i like that um uh, just just out of curiosity the name arasaurin where did you did you just come up with that because it sounded cool or is it from something it's from a wizard name generator <laughs> <laughs> fucking good hell. okay good lots lots of thought yeah. gone into that <laughs> i did i thought i thought loads but nothing that made i did i thought really yeah. hard about which name generator to use <laughs> and i picked the first one google gave me you yeah are i mean i i thought so of other things trouble. but no nothing nothing sounded I needed a I needed a good sounding name, and I want I, 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 for a while I wanted to start with like a Z because that's always good, and if it can end in an X, that'd be kind of cool. But nah, I was like, there's, there's programs that do this for me, so fuck it. Okay, fair enough. Um, lastly, would there be anything? So you have the it, it the film does feel a bit slight. Um, it doesn't feel like there's a huge. It feels to me like. <clears throat> the first episode of the HBO Max Harry Potter TV show rather than the first in a new series of Harry Potter films. What could you do at the beginning of the movie to show the growing new threat? Because it feels like Harry and Ginny have a bit of a chat mm. and then he goes to a crime scene. Ideally, I wanted more clues. I wanted Harry to be just have like an inkling basically of something weirds going on, some, you know, some... Um, oh, it was going to start. He, he was going to find some um, bodies that were like drained, basically, um, visually drained. But I wanted to say they've been like drained of not only their life but their magic. Um, and he, I wanted him to obviously find a few of these, which led on to more clues and, and, and stuff like that. And then it was the end of Act One was going to be the portal uh, ripping open and then finding the book. Um, and that was going to be like the call of action. Call to action was I've got to find out who what this what this page is and. So yeah, we could put more like crime in at the start, or more uh, crime okay. scenes, more crime. Mm. Excellent. 
We, we all need a bit more crime. Okay, thank you very much, Andy. Um, I am going to move quickly on to Ross Harmston. Hello. Hello. Um, Whenever you're ready. My. Oh, Andy, oh. that's the point. I, I was waiting for you to say, did you say I'm? we get the titles and the film is called? No, actually, the, the title comes before. It comes in, the, in like, you know how Harry Potter normally does. It comes in like the clouds or something. And so what is the title of yours? Oh, sorry. Did I ask? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. It was The Legend of Arasorin. Sorry. I didn't even say okay. it, did I? That's right. I, well, that's the thing. I couldn't... Re- when I'm editing, yeah. <laughs> we were, if, if you did, then I'll take this If not, here's, a, here's a clean I'll, version. I'll leave it in. The Legend of Arasorin. Very good. Thank you. Um, okay. So moving on to Ross Harmston. Whenever you're ready, sir. Thank you very much. My title is Harry Potter and the Shadow of the Serpent. Um, Just remember that I've gone before Matt uh, and I did my pitch before Matt. Just just keep that just keep that in mind. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, the film opens and we see a familiar sight of Azkaban. The camera pans all the way through the prison, allowing us to see elements of the prison we haven't seen before. We focus on a cell. Inside is a very dark and uh, inside is it is very dark and bare. We see a man with long white hair and a beard muttering to himself. We hear the words Harry Potter and revenge. He is very erratic. He looks up at the screen and we see it's Lucius Malfoy. Oh shit. We then cut to the <laughs> Ministry of Magic and we see a door with the name Harry Potter written on it and underneath it says Minister of Magic. We see Harry Potter much older now in his 40s bogged down by work. He gets a, a visit in his office by Ron who we establish is also working at the Ministry of Magic. Ron places down some pictures of dead agents of the Ministry of Magic and we see a black serpent etched on their body. We learn through dialogue that although most Death Eaters were caught after the Second Wizarding War, some are still at large and are calling themselves the Serpents, but their true intent is still unknown. Cut back to Azkaban and Lucius is having food in his cell. He keeps looking out of the window to the rainy, stormy seas outside. The Auras, or Auras, or uh, uh, whoever they're called, um, who have now replaced the Dementors start talking start to talk to him we learn that he sacrificed himself to go to prison so that his son and wife could be free Uh, the guard also jokes that no one's coming to save you this time Malfoy Uh, he laughs and leaves cut back to Harry's life and we see him uh, and and Ginny uh, at home sorry cut back to Harry's life and we see him at home with Ginny talking about the pressures that he's having under uh, at work not only with the new group called the serpents but also the pressures of keeping the wizarding world a secret from the muggles we establish that the kids are still at hogwarts at the moment cut to ron talking to hermione through a magic spell like skype thing um and we learn that hermione is now a teacher at hogwarts and their kids are okay misbehaving but they're okay um cut back to Azkaban and we see Lucius is in his cell hearing a commotion going on in and outside of the prison then all of a sudden his door opens and we see Umbridge standing there we learn that she is the leader of the serpents and she'd been leading them from the from the inside of Azkaban and then we see them freeing all the prisoners and killing the guards and escaping once Umbridge is out uh, once out, Umbridge uh, tells Lucius that he should join with the serpents and put an end to Harry Potter. 
but he tells her that he has one thing to do first. So he travels to see his wife, but before he says, hey, he sees she's with another man. No. <laughs> and then he, so he goes and leaves upset. Uh, he then travels to see Draco in London, and we have a heart-wrenching scene in which he, uh, Draco tells him that he doesn't want to see him and that he is no father of his. Um, Lucius has nothing now. He's a prisoner on the run, no wife, no son. The only time he was something was when he was with Voldemort, even though he treated him like shit. He's been conditioned much like a prisoner and their captive. He knows about the Deathly Hallows, though. The three items that if you attain, you are master of death. Perhaps this may bring back the Dark Lord himself. Cut to Harry, learning about the breakout. He visited Azkaban and sees all the death and destruction. He learns it's the doing of the serpents and that both Umbridge and Lucius have also escaped. He tells them to put out wanted posters everywhere and that he wants them caught. He visits Draco and asks him if he's seen his father. However, Draco denies seeing him. Maybe there's a little love in his uh, heart for his father still. Lucius meets Umbridge, tells her that he is dedicated to the cause. We see that Umbridge just wants Harry Potter dead. And Lucius sees this as a moment to tell her that the Dark Lord is the most powerful wizard and can kill Harry Potter. But all they need to do is bring him back. With, uh, is uh, All they need to do to bring him back is use the Deathly Hallows. Umbridge secretly thinks that she can use Lucius to attain the items to become Master of Death herself and agrees. They learn that the first item is the invisible cloak thing and that it's at Hogwarts. So they all travel to Hogwarts and this is the final fight of the movie. They wreck the place, kill loads of people, adults, um, and injure some kids because, you know... Don't want to, we don't want to kill kids. Uh, Hermione has a cool badass moment, but is knocked out. They learn that James Potter, Harry Potter's son, was given the cloak, and they go to his room. He tries to defend himself, but is killed by Umbridge. They leave, and all, uh, uh, all the main gang learn uh, of the attack and come to check on the kids. There is a touching scene in where Harry Potter cradles the dead child but looks hella angry end of the movie setting up a new trilogy and just hold on one second because i added something but i didn't put it on my actual one that i'm reading it from sorry can we put it on whatsapp no i put it on my oh god sorry I've, I've got it open do you want me to put it in the whatsapp no 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 it's cool i got it oh, yeah. oh. sorry i did edit it on the actual document um the second and third film are about the serpents trying to attain the last two items. One is the Resurrection Stone, which is in the Forbidden Forest, and it's been taken by the centaurs. The last piece is the Elder Wand, which was retrieved uh, by Harry Potter after he broke it in two, and has been placed in the Ministry of Magic. The serpent's goal is to somehow mend the broken wand in order to use it again. Uh, the gang have to deal with Harry's loss and come together to fight this... Uh, this foe eventually draco has to kill his dad i want that to be like the big thing at the end of the movies but yeah that's it okay all right um yeah interesting that you go yeah we don't want to kill any kids and then you immediately kill yeah. a kid <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But that's true <laughs> that's um that's pretty dark bro <laughs> for the first new film in this 
Harry I, Potter. But I see that the most popular ones of the series were the later ones, which are darker. And I don't think that... Um, I I think that my 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 is steering towards an older um like clientele not like a 15 18 but um you've got certain things that people love like in Endgame or and uh, Avengers where um yes you don't see it but like Thanos getting his head cut off um by Thor um and stuff like that so like yeah, it is a bit darker. There are elements of... Uh, I just... Yeah, I think that it's a dark world, like, now. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, here's a question for you. So, uh, again, in relation to the 19 years later, when is this for you? Mm-hmm. When is it? Oh, it's... Yeah, in I've, relation to 19 years later. So, it's... Um, well, whenever I go by whatever the film said it was, so it, I think it's about 2017 now or 2018 in the. Well, it's basically oh, I want. No, no, no. So I mean, so is this 19 years later? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it's it's basically exactly from the end of film eight, and then it just carries on from this moment in time. No, no. So the, so we jump ahead. So we jump ahead to, to where Harry Potter's now about 40. Um, so this is not directly straight after. I see the train scene as maybe possibly in between, like it was a further bit, maybe just before my movie. Um, that like bit where they're adults. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah, around then, yeah. Okay. So cool. sorry, yeah. That's all right. Um, in that case, then would you bring back the original three Harry Potter actors? Yes, I would. Okay. Um, um, I would. I think that you can believe that they may be for like you know you can put some makeup on them to make them a bit look a bit older. Um, wouldn't wouldn't be quite as difficult as when they were. Yeah, in their I don't early think twenties. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I love Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs is uh, uh, is an absolute treasure and he should be working all the time. So I'm very, very glad that he's got quite a a meaty role in this film. Um, But it almost has... It almost feels like it's his movie. Like, the the big central emotional journey in the middle of this film is his rather than Harry's. Why do you think you did that? I... Use this movie to set up his his sort of motivation and the the future for the second and third film. Um, the second and third film are going to be dealing a lot more with Harry Potter and his loss and the loss of his child. And um, you know maybe in this movie I can put more um, scenes in which Harry Potter is at the Ministry. But yeah, I think to to do a good trilogy you need a good baddie and you need a good. Um, you need a good origin story for that, for that, and I want to focus on that. Okay, it's I I do I quite like that you've you have the sympathetic baddie who's kind of been tortured and forced into it, but you've also got Umbridge, Umbridge who is just historically the mo- the most seethingly hateable yeah. character in the entire series. So I appreciate her coming back. It's also quite. It, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but having 
um, Helen McCrory very recently passed away, um, and so being unable to come back and play Lucius's wife, um, I think hopefully it might be just a nice little tribute to have her appear in the distance and yeah not be in the film. And I re- I want that moment to be like that. She's really happy. She's love. Like he doesn't see. He like sees her through a window. Like and okay. she's with someone else. Um, does yeah. does. Lucius, okay, here's here's a, a deep lore question, L-O-R-E. Yes. Does Lucius end up in Azkaban Not, after the final film? No, um, I changed that a little bit. Um, okay. He, he uses, he sells out a load of the Death Eaters. Um, he says to the Ministry of Magic, he says, I'm go- I'll give you the location of the Death Eaters. And then he manages to like evade... Um, uh Azkaban. but i wanted to i wanted to go okay i want that but i also want i feel that it'd be better in my story if he went to azkaban but like he saved his kids and he saved his kid and uh wife from going okay all right cool thank you very much ross you're welcome matt we are going to move speedily on to you whenever you're Okey-dokey. ready okie dokie so um taking ross's title aside this is my own <laughs> very independent <laughs> and completely different pitch thankfully uh to ross's my <laughs> title is the serpent's fangs hyphen a harry potter story <laughs> the movie op- oh sorry i got too excited the movie opens. No, no, go for it. The movie opens with a black screen. Golden sparks appear from the center of the screen, and we hear the click of a lock. As the camera pulls out of the keyhole and sees a wooden door pry open, there's a hooded figure with their face covered stood there. We see the hooded figure kill two anonymous adults with a Vada Kedavra and leaves a teenager sat there alive. And there's a gust of wind that kind of blows through and blows the hood off. When he's de hooded, it's Harry Potter. The, the figure Harry Potter tells her, says, tell everyone what you saw today. You tell them the serpent is risen. And he leaves. The cloak flicks past the camera and it creates a seamless transition to the title. Cut to the ministry. Hermione and Ron are saying goodbye as they're about to head to their respective workplaces. Everyone's staring at them though. They are suddenly bound by magical rope and dragged into a lift and taken down into the courtroom that we see uh, in one of the previous Harry Potters. In front of them is a panel of ministry folk and a judge who clears his throat and orders them to inform them, inform the ministry where Harry's current where where Harry is currently hidden, where his whereabouts. Neither of them know. In walks Draco Malfoy, looking sharp, pretty menacing, and wielding a bladed wand. He makes his way directly to Ron and takes him into a side room. Hermione begins to panic. Malfoy is known around the ministry as a man who gets answers. She begins pleading with the judge that they know nothing. We'll soon find out, won't we, is the reply. In the other room, Draco very much looks like he's about to start torturing Ron, but stops short of doing anything and says that he will help to sort this mess out. Malfoy explains that with all the talk of Harry Potter in fact being controlled by Voldemort, the Death Eaters have begun to rally again, and he and his family are now in danger as they were seen as deserters and traitors. Big Magic Scene 1 they break out and free Hermione. Cool chase through the Ministry and out through the flu system. They arrive at Malfoy Manor, or at least what it looks like is Malfoy Manor, only it's on an island. There's a little homage to uh, Helen McCrory, Narciso and Lucius probably there. There's some witty one-liners from Lucius. They don't really play a big part in it. Uh, Draco explains how they packed everything up and moved in fear. 
Draco introduces his wife, Astoria, a sickly, frail, yet striking-looking woman. Ron remarks how her and Ginny were best of mates at Hogwarts, still very much untrusting them. Astoria acknowledges that she may have been a little childish in her school days, but life is more precious now. She then asks about Ginny, and Ron and Hermione explain that she's missing along with Harry. The four ultimately go hunting for signs of the couple's whereabouts, but to no avail. One night, however, they're all sat to dinner. The room is suddenly enveloped in like an unseeable black smoke, and there's the unmistakable voices of Harry and Ginny. They're heard saying, Don't make us kill you, not after everything we've been through. And just like that, the black smoke's gone, and so are Harry and Ginny. Thankfully, but kind of not. Astoria has an ancient family blood curse which will ultimately kill her soon, but it gives her the strange ability to follow a wizard's disapparate path for a short time. There's an emotional moment where Draco's really upset and clearly touched by the talk of the fact that his wife's going to die young. She comforts him. Ron and Hermione are sat watching this and they share some genuine sympathy as they see this deep love that Draco has for Astoria, similar to their own. The four then follow Harry and Ginny and they arrive at a ruin on the Welsh border. And in they go. <clears throat> Sorry, clearing my throat. No, I'm changing that. Aha. I'll change that. I'll get back to it. Um, <laughs> big magic scene two, a wizardy battle where the four fight Harry and Ginny. Uh, only it's obviously not them. They manage to use a magical spell to reveal uh, the the true identity of the individuals. They're two like white, pale, uh, blonde twins, and as soon as their identity is revealed, they escape. Uh, and we then finally discover the actual Harry, an actual Ginny, and a toddler in swaddling. Uh, both of the adults are trapped with magical binds, but they're freed obviously pretty quickly. They go and have a chat, loads of exposition, they recover, and they leave Baby Potter with Nana and Grandpa Weasley. Harry knows who the twins are because of his job as an aura. These were his last assignment, and they are known only as the Gaunts. But he is underestimated, but he underestimated them and he got caught. The twins would often speak parcel tongue around him, and he learnt that their great aunt was in fact Tom Riddle's mother. Uh, there's a note here, there's quite a lot of family tree exposition stuff's going to need explaining. Um, the final act is basically uh, Harry, Ginny and the, uh, the other heroes all hunting down the Gaunts, who turns out they've mastered the Polyjuice Potion uh, story about how Ginny got caught thinking it was Harry, etc. And they trace them back to the Riddle family vault scene in the Goblet of Fire, which is now a menacing Salazar Slytherin worshipping site. We're reclaiming what is ours, one of them screams as the heroes arrive. And of course, it turns out a load of Voldemort's Death Eaters are all hiding out there too. Big magic scene three, another huge battle. Ginny and Astoria team up uh, and they kind of make up-ish in the process as well. Ron and Hermione prove why they're everyone's favourite wizarding couple and boss it some more. Um, however, in all of this, the twins manage to corner Harry again. Up steps Draco Malfoy to his aid, and the pair duel side by side. It is fucking sick. They're like weirdly in sync and manage to defeat the twins pretty emphatically. Harry begins to lose control though because of all the threats to his family, and it's actually Draco that manages to talk him down from doing anything too severe. And then of course the Ministry ultimately turn up right in the end of battle because they don't have to do anything. They collect the bad guys, all's forgiven because it's magic. Um, 
Harry goes to thank Draco. He turns to thank him, but he sees him walking off into the distance with Astoria. So he chases after him and tries again. However, there's a sudden coldness to Draco. Oh, come on. I didn't do it for you, Potter. I did it for us, as he feels Astoria's stomach. You should know that better than anyone around here. There's a kind of awkward silence, and then they give each other a wry smile, um, and off Draco and Astoria walk. Uh, we hear Harry mutter, I guess I'll see you around, Draco. Last scene, ten years later in writing. It is the exact same scene from the end of Deathly Hallows Part 2, where the kids are boarding the train and the parents are on the platform. This time, however, there's a micro-interaction between Ginny and Astoria, acknowledging each other. Ron actually smiles to Draco, and Harry and Draco even have a little dialogue. You reckon they'll ever get on better than we did, asked Harry. Scorpius, Scorpius knows better than to hang around with a potter. Everywhere there's a potter, there's trouble. It's like you're a curse. And I don't need a cursed child. Fade to black. Sorry, I just threw up in my mouth, sorry. <laughs> that is how you seamlessly interact two universes. With two words. <laughs> um, so, uh, a, a Harry Potter story. Um, I... I, mean, I hate the title. I hate <laughs> it. Hey, it worked for Star Wars and Solo. Well, it, it didn't. <laughs> well, yeah. Everyone it hated. It got past the producers, like Solo. It did. <laughs> Not this producer. It did. Um, so why the Harry Potter story subtitle? Um, Because I actually... I, I am respecting that the cursed child is the natural follow-on from the Harry Potter cinematic universe, and I think realistically, the only way that a producer would bag themselves um, the movie rights to a Harry Potter sequel would be to either do the cursed child in movie form, or find a gap in between that 19 years that you could actually play out quite a decent story, and I feel like this allows for that perfectly. Okay, um, why have Harry, ha why have the titular character be absent for the first two thirds of the movie? Um, well, he doesn't because he's actually appearing in the shape of the. Yeah, but it, no, 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 not not the actor, mm -hmm. but the the once we realise that that's not him, he's he's not been uh -huh. in it. So that's pretty much. I, I the do, I'm big, just curious. Big what was your inspiration in for that choice? Two. Um, I. It's hard to put in all of the subtle character stories. I think you know you can perhaps even try and work the fact that this could be Harry into some of the subtleties of it all. Um, you know the people that they target at the beginning could be a Death Eater family or something. I don't know. Like I'm trying. I must admit there is way too many ideas in my head to try and get it all on paper when this was already two pages. <laughs> this was originally nearly four pages, this picture. It had to be cut quite substantially. Um, so I think you can have some creative freedom to perhaps try and portray this as actually Harry Potter for a while. And it's Ron and Hermione that are like, no, it can't be him, it can't be him. Um, and that can take a bit longer. Um, ultimately, I think... I I have a real interest in Draco Malfoy and the character of Draco Malfoy, and that is ultimately why I wanted him to almost be a protagonist here. And because this isn't, you know, the reason that it's a Harry Potter story is 
it's in that franchise. I don't think it is a story about Harry Potter. Like this is essentially mm-hmm. expanding on the universe a little. So it's a sequel in the ter- in the term that it follows canon, but it's not a sequel in the term that it's a Harry Potter movie about Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there there might be like what do they call the the wider universe now? Like Wizarding World. Yeah. Then there might be a a change to the title that could work. Um. Okay. Next, have you have you recently watched the movie Jumper? With um, Hayden Christensen. I haven't recently watched that film, and I actually can't stand that film. So I don't know if this <laughs> only, only because the, the 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 convenient magical ability to follow people's disapparate parts <laughs> um, is remarkably similar to a major <laughs> yeah. plot point from Hayden Christensen's seminal masterpiece. Jumper. I must admit, <laughs> I really struggled to think how I could get this story to channel forward. And using things like the, <laughs> like the fact that Draco's wife, Astoria, does have this blood curse in the family. Um, and, you know, I was like, oh, we could just tell that as a sad tale. But I was like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if it did give us some badass powers at least? And again, it puts more of an onus on the importance of Malfoy and his wife in this film. So that is the only thing that I really broke away from Harry Potter lore was to give her an ability that she doesn't have as far as I'm aware. That's, I mean, considering that the the books and the films just convenient, just make magic do or not do whatever they do or don't need it to do or not do in that particular mm. moment. I I'm not going to begrudge you inventing like lycanthropy. Like you know, they all get low, like every ailment seems to have a slight benefit as well. So why not give her some positive out the fact she's going to die before she's forty? Yeah, although there is, I, I noted another significant plot hole mm. that would drive the Harry Potter nerds absolutely wild, is that um, Harry learns significant like information of the villain's plot because they speak tarsal, parcel tongue around him. However, of course, when Voldemort died, Harry lost the ability to speak parcel tongue forever. Uh, he oh, hears it again and for... perhaps it, he remembers some of the words. He just picks it up. <laughs> like, I mean that yeah. if that if right, I'll tell you what, comparing my pitch to their guy's pitch, if you think I have the biggest potholes that Harry Potter fans are gonna freak out about, I don't think my pitch right, is look, one. No, to no, worry no, I'm look, I'm I'm just being a wee bit but save your animosity <laughs> for the other two because as it happens, we need to jump immediately into the debate section. I'm I'm feeling very torn for a number of reasons. Um, and I'm going to be listening to this really intently because this, uh, the how this discussion goes between the three of you is likely to be what I use to make my decision because I'm very, very torn. Um, so with I will open the floor to you. I'll give you a few minutes. Oh, I'll start. And whoever I'll start. wants to jump in. We've got Harry Potter sequels and Ross and Matt haven't actually put Harry as the protagonist. That's just amazing. Um, I mean, I argued perfectly go, why fair. mine isn't. Matt, you've I got just... a side story? We, no, we wanted a Harry Potter sequel, not a, a side story. Where is Harry in both of yours? A Harry Potter story. It's not, though, is it, Matt? It's not a Harry Potter story. It's a, it's a Ron and Hermione and Draco Malfoy story. Yeah, The Wizarding yeah. World. It's a franchise. So she has, she has a curse that somehow gives her a badass power, but then she doesn't die. 
Well, no. Oh, my God. If you actually know the Harry Potter lore, you'll know she does die at the age of 37 when it's Scorpius's third year at school. I'm not there oh, so yet. This is just in the next I'm film. I'm not there oh, yet. She's fair. literally okay. pregnant okay. with Scorpius at the moment. That's the point. He touches <laughs> her stomach at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's weird that you get a power from a curse. But uh, what? So okay. what about? He, he oh my did. God. Were you yeah, even listening? This is the problem yeah, I have weird. every week. Andy weird. calls me out on shit for not. He doesn't even listen to the fact I answer all of his too questions. Too busy writing too many fucking questions. <laughs> Jesus hell. Christ. So we leave Draco as a wimp. Actually, I'm going to move on to Ross's. Yeah, because you know Ross's. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> okay. So we got nothing new with Ross. We got same people, same places, same ones, same villains, same everything. Yeah. 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 Again, just I'm like, not going to argue, man. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah, go carry on. What else you got? Come no, on. I don't need to do anything else, really, do I? So. Nah. Yeah. yeah. All the same. Same old story. Same same thing. I mean, yeah. again, at least no to Harry. At least has... to Ross's credit, he doesn't kind of just make up a load of shit for his. Um, he does try and weave in the current narrative. You've just come up with wizard named Generator <laughs> Bad Guy. And gone, oh, I'm just going like to make with, a load so. of shit up, even though there's plenty and of stuff yeah, that Yeah, we didn't to have to stick you. to the cursed child. That was very... Yeah. That was Your finale no, is pretty... You can stick to the Harry Potter cinematic universe. There's plenty in there for you anyway. I know. What I'm doing is I'm putting more out there. We've just got right. the same out You're of yours. You're just making a load of shit up. Just make, well, making new stuff up as <laughs> movies do if we want to explore a new universe. There's I'm sorry. Plenty you of, plenty of lore out hell. there to We've explore. We've got nothing original with Matt's or Ross's. It's all boring. Matt's a side story, which is like a 15-minute YouTube video or something. I don't get it. Don't have a you Harry Potter pick... story. Just have it different. Uh, Drew, you should pick mine because I've thought about uh, this trilogy. Um, I've I've planned out what I want to do in the first, second, and third. Yes, it's a bit darker, but I don't think that's a negative. I think that I focus on a character, uh, some characters that need expanding. I really like Lucius, and I like the fact that he was. Uh, like used by Voldemort and I really wanted to play on that whole sort of um you know like that once that prisoner's like free he's nothing like he d he feels like he's nothing and yes Harry Potter has got us he's not got a smaller role because I could literally add some more scenes in if you wanted it doesn't really but he's not the like, protagonist though you say he's in uh, all right go on I had my time um he in the later films, it's a, it's about building up the this this threat of the serpents. Yes, they've been working um, to get Umbridge out, and now once Umbridge is out, they're going to cause ha havoc in the second and third, and that's when Harry is going to have to get all of his mates to fight against this uh, foe and to stop Voldemort coming back once again. Um, me and Matt are using law. I think that uh, Andy's got some good ideas. However, I th feel that his finale is a bit just weak. Um, like his last bit of the film is just a bit weak. Um, whereas mine, I've got um, a fight at Hogwarts. Yes, a child dies, but I think I would do it in a in a really, you know, tasteful way. I wouldn't just literally have say taste. <laughs> I wouldn't have him I'd like blown tasteful up. Child I must <laughs> interject here that ultimately I introduced death once in my movie and it's at the beginning to create a real moment of drama. After that I avoid death at all costs. These pair go at it like tooth and nail. You know, I think the point Drew, you even made you made this point in your questions that this is dark. You said it for Ross's I don't think you even picked up the fact that 
Andy says the heroes go through and just kill a load of people in his big fight scene. <laughs> you know, there's Bad so guys. much death Bad in guys. this. Like, you know, this is meant to be their first movie. How do you eclipse this much death in films two and three? That is when you start going beyond as what did Andy call it? A family crime thriller with all this death. Like, <laughs> I'm not buying that's you a family film to, in any but way, shape, is, or form. the thing is, like. Yeah, but the thing is, like in the last Harry Potter, mm-hmm. there's there's death. Yeah, in the last uh, Harry Potter is what you're saying. No, but there's the, yeah, all, but there's like, death in the fourth the one. The, there's it's been there's dark for loads of time. The also, one. There's one you're death think, in the fourth you're thinking, one. There's and not the loads thinking of death. Deaths, so hold on, you guys hold on. are bringing into you're, all your first movie that you chose. Your deaths are only the bad people, and if we want, we can just stun them. That's fine. The main and point, you're okay, thinking you've had your time, it's my, my no, time. Actually, my reason actually, why. it isn't. You've Andy, had your you've time. Had, I'm the only one who had... hasn't had my time yet, Andy. <laughs> Go I on, and sorry. 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 Had I thought we were, twice, I thought we were final points. I thought we were wrapping up. This, this <laughs> is my point. Right. Um, I've acknowledged that Ross does keep closer to the law. I do feel Andy goes way too far away from the Harry Potter. You know, the you still want Harry Potter fans to come and they're going to know the law and they're going to know that Arasaurin doesn't exist. Um, you know, at least Ross is keeping that there. I, however, have gone a lot more deeper into my law and, you know, kept a story and character arcs that actually exist in the franchise. Hermione doesn't go to be a teacher at Hogwarts. She goes to work at the Ministry. You know, I've even found those little pointers and kept them in there. Um, you know, I feel like the others go a little bit too dark. I've also only brought you a standalone movie, not a, like the fact they've brought you the first film in a trilogy very much isn't really, you know, you could argue it was sequel saga pitch maybe, but I didn't get that memo if those two did. Um, I I'll have write just that brought down you for next time you pitch a, a trilogy. Well, no, I, I might pitch you the second movie in a trilogy. What you two have done is pitched a, fir- a first movie in a trilogy. You know? You, but at least I've planned mine you out. You have hasn't planned. planned yours out. But, Not that you know, well, yeah. yeah. Um, I also, there is I, one also, there's kind of one big plot hole in Ross's. Where the fuck does Umbridge come from when she's evaporated into bubbles? No, no, she wasn't taken away by centaurs. Mummy, oh no, that was Bellatrix. Take that back. She was taken away by centaurs. Something probably happened. I was watching it like, hang on. No, that was the wrong character. Bellatrix is bubbles. I do, I rescind that comment. Okay, that doesn't give you the window. You're still far from winning. still far from winning, Ross. Okay. Um. Right. Okay. My final thoughts. This is this is very, 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 very tough for me. Um, because like I said at the end of last episode to kind of that you didn't have to be bound to the cursed child. Not necessarily that you had to pretend it doesn't exist, because the business realities of of we do take business realities into account when we're picking these things on like how difficult it would be to do stuff and having the cursed child exist is a big thing to consider um andy like i said as it came to me while we were discussing yours when i said it feels like the first episode of an hbo max show that would be so cool like the idea of an HBO Max show of a crime procedural that is dark and gritty is wicked. But as a film, I don't think there's enough to yours for me. What are you missing? It, it's the, I don't feel like enough happens. 
it, it's it's all set up and then someone jumps through a portal nothing is explained that it's it's a mysterious person who hasn't really appeared and it's the servant and they're there and then they damage Hermione and then they jump through the portal and that's the end of the film even films with cliffhanger endings resolve a storyline that got to that point and I didn't feel like I felt like too much was left hanging and I I struggled with that Ross I it is dark <laughs> Like to kill off James James Potter is a is a very very bold move. Um, I it it feels a bit it feels structurally a little odd that it's kind of a Infinity War thing where Lucius is the protagonist. Like Lu- Umbridge is the one who actually drives the story forward, and Lu- and Lucius has the emotional journey. So it it does. It feels a little confused, but Jason Isaacs can carry it off, I'm sure. Um, but also, your trilogy pitch going forwards kind of is a repeat of um, Half-Blood Prince onwards in that it is hunting down and fighting over magical artefacts, which is... It, there's If that's what the primary drive of your trilogy is outside of the emotional journeys that characters are going on, which I think is strong, I think it would feel very reminiscent of particularly Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 because it will be the characters trying to find the Deathly Hallows and keep them away from the baddies for another two films. And that... I, I'm not sure there's enough to go on with that. <sighs> Matt, you've... The the title, I think, held you... I, th- I think when you pointed out that Harry is kind of in it from the beginning and that the audience would think Harry's gone bad and then it's revealed that he hasn't. I think actually you shouldn't downplay Harry's involvement. I think this should be a Harry Potter and the film. I think that you could get away with that. Um it could make the it could make the twist work better and when you said about oh have the people who were killed at the beginning be a death eater family um that's uh that's a good choice for me but it's there are there are some plot holes and it's it's difficult because you've you've brought in the gaunts and they are tied into the law but it's it, it just doesn't feel quite connected enough and why would it have taken 10 years for any of this to have started happening what have the gaunts been doing in between now and then why wouldn't this be like harry's first assignment all of this kind of stuff these are all thoughts through in my head um and so i i come to my final judgment when i read over your pitches before we got to recording i was like it's 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 Matt all the way. Like I felt like Ross's just ended completely abruptly. Wow. And wow. and going forwards with it, I wasn't a I wasn't a huge fan of that. Ross turned me around and made the point that this is a franchise that has grown up with its audience. Yeah, we've the audience can accept darker stuff that you've already pointed out. Hang on, just let me finish. All right. But Ross has also done a trilogy pitch and i don't know that it tied in where matt has done a sequel to the previous film and 
has made it so that it would still be able to incorporate a future Cursed Child film. And so this has been a really difficult decision. I'm literally uh, going with my gut feeling. But it's, it's not a sequel, though. It's not a sequel. It's a Harry Potter story. It's not a sequel. How is that a sequel? How is that a sequel? I'm, I'm buying the script with the proviso that I can change it to Harry Potter. You can change it. If, you're, if you don't go by mine because the whole new thing, fine. But then go by Ross's then. Because at least it's a sequel. Of, well, Matt, it's a side story. <laughs> no, but this is my point. I, the point I was making is that actually Matt has Matt came up with this idea that Harry Potter wasn't in it and so felt like it had to be a Harry Potter side story. But actually, I don't think it does have to be. Matt can win with the proviso <laughs> that he changes win. the sequel to Harry Potter and the... The Serpent's Fangs. Like, like I said, Andy, if yours was set... If yours was about Harry's first like major bad shit crime drama when he becomes an aura and and it was a TV show I would lap that up. Ross, it was so close. It was so so close. You won me round so hard, but I had to go with my gut. I so there we definitely go. Definitely like Matt. Ross's more than mine. <laughs> but I'll yeah. take the win. Yes. So, Matt, congratulations. What are we all watching and pitching because for Because we had such a fucking amazing time doing a franchise. I want to ride these franchise fucking coattails. We're going to rev our engines and we're going to sit in the driver's seat <laughs> as we take on Fast 8, The Fate of the Furious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, yes. Let's see how many more car puns we can get in. God, anything's going to be on. Like, there's nothing off the table with fucking fast, is there? Okay, so thank you very much, Matt. I guess that is it. If um, if you think I made the wrong choice and I'm on the fence, yeah. please let us know via Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of our ideas for carrying on Harry Potter. Search Sequel Pitch on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook and you will find us all there. And with that, it is time to say goodbye from this week's winner, Matthew Rushton. Anyone who finds plot holes that we didn't find in the Harry Potter lore, apart from Andy's because there isn't yeah. any, do shout out and you'll get a shout in next, yeah, no, in it's next all episode. original. Bye. It's all right. Very good. And goodbye from admirable runner-up Ross Harmston. Bye-bye. And goodbye from awesome crime drama magic TV show picture Andy Henry. It's just a shame you didn't go with your, your favourite and obviously the, the best one. It's... Uh... It, it's right. Yeah, we've got, right, we got we'll nothing new. We've got nothing new with these sequels. It's fine. In, in bitter, <laughs> bitter, bitter. I am bitter. Yours are boring. You're both boring. <laughs> and goodbye from me. <laughs> Bye.